0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelanta!
1: That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're gonna get. They're gonna get energy, they're gonna get accountability, they're gonna get structure, and they're gonna get support. And I'm gonna bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're gonna get where we hope and intend to go.
0: You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to episode 169 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, I like this one. Uh, 169 career runs batted in for Gregor Blanco. I needed some good postseason mojo for this podcast. So Gregor Blanco.
2: Gregor Blanco, I had the the nice privilege of being able to introduce Gregor Blanco to Lamont Wade Jr. in the Giants dugout the other day. It was I, I love when I can make introductions like that. It just makes me feel important. Um, and it's hey, you want any tips on how to play right field? This is the guy to talk to. But yeah, he's working for MLB. He was he was in Sacramento for a couple days, uh, talking with folks there and and uh, making the rounds. And uh, he's one of the people who is doing a lot of work with uh, club relations and experiments in the new game. And uh, I just a great ambassador, I think, for for the sport. And, and it's great to see him uh, have such a central role in, in the league. So good to see you, Gregor Blanco. Gregor Blanco, uh,
1: he is the owner of not one, but two of the greatest bunts in Giants postseason history. Just one of those bunts could have sustained him as a cult hero, but he has two. He has the one, the walk-off bunt uh, in 2014 in the NLCS, but he also had like the perfect, the one that just hugged the line down the line in the 2012 world series. And the umpire very famously made that dramatic fair call.
2: Uh, I love that bunt with all of my heart. Ooh, good bunts. You You do remember a good bunt. Um, Uh, I thought, though, for episode 169, uh, you might go this way. I'm looking here at a noise level chart, and um, (laughs) a library is about 30 decibels. A uh, noisy restaurant is about 70. A vacuum cleaner is about 80, so cats freak out at about 80. Uh, Your jackhammer will come in at about 110. Uh, 115 uncomfortable feeling starts. Uh, 130 cymbal crashes or air raid sirens. 140 rock concert front row. 150, chest begins to vibrate. 160, eardrums burst. And 190 is the loudest possible sound. So 169 sounds pretty good. That's about what Dodger Stadium will be. That is about what Dodger Stadium will be. That
1: is... uh... Yeah, it's going to be intense. Uh, I, I will say that uh, uh, credit to Oracle Park because Game One was intense. It was very loud when Buster Posey. It was loud before the game, and when you've you've got Jerry Rice and Steve Young leading a beat LA chant, which is uh, you know to me uh, that that made me feel like 21 years old again because that those were my people back in 1994, 1995. Um, so it, it's it was loud. It was uh, sustained when Buster Posey hit the home run. The crowd just blew up. Uh, They were loud the whole game through. Uh, Game two, not quite as loud. Uh, The energy was just a little bit different.
2: Yeah, and you always get that that sort of, uh, are you quiet because you're... You're um, kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, or are you quiet because you are um, just uh, don't have anything quite yet to cheer? But you know what? Mm-hmm. You, you do When you do get beat L.A. going through the ballpark, it's so much better than what the Dodgers have, which is Giants suck, which, I mean, can you even say that about a team that's won 107 games? It's kind of a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say. Obviously, the Giants don't <laughs> suck. They won 107 games. But one is, one is a command, beat L.A. The other one is an opinion that is really not very based in any fact right now. It's a little rude. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little, yeah, little it vulgar. Is. Yeah, It will be uh, daunting,
1: but you, you you knew it was coming to this. It was uh, fun for a few minutes after uh, Logan Webb disassembled the Dodgers to think, ah, you know, the Giants, what if they win tomorrow? What if they win game three? What if they never trail on this series? And it was fun to think like that. You know, you know, the Dodgers are just too, too good. And you knew that in order to get past them in a best of five series, the Giants were going to have to win at least one in Dodger Stadium. They're going to have to face down that crowd, face down that atmosphere, and they were going to have to do it.
2: Yeah, the Dodgers have swept 15 series this year. They have not been swept once. The Giants have swept 13 series this year. They have been swept twice, and that was... In the first half, uh, both times by the Dodgers, once a three-game series in San Francisco, and and won a two-game series uh, at Dodger Stadium. But but overall, their record at Dodger Stadium is what I think six and three, is it? Um, if I have that right. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you knew that it was not going to be uh, a series sweep, and and you did the research on the fact that you know over the years the the Giants have 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 never really had a two zero advantage in a division series, and and I, I really think that. Um, to me, it reminds me of 2010 when they lost Game 2 uh, of the DS to Atlanta after Lincecum's brilliance in Game 1, which you know it is very analogous to Webb's brilliance in Game 1. But when they lost Game 2, you had this feeling in the pit of your stomach where it's like, Oh boy, now they're going to Atlanta and there's no guarantee that there's going to be another game in San Francisco. they got to they got to pick one off. They've got to find a way. All these guys, a lot of them have never played in the postseason before. A lot of guys have never been tested before. A new environment for them. A Braves team that's beat up but still pretty talented. they they got to find a way to win one on the road. How tough will that be? And then they won both in Atlanta. And both of them were incredibly torturous, but they did. They won both games. And, and uh, I'm not suggesting that's how it's going to go in LA. But, you know, if you have those feelings where it's like oh man how are they going to pull one off to to get this series back you never know it's uh, who knows they could win both I, I wouldn't Wager on that, but it is one of the possibilities. Yeah, like you said, uh, those games were not easy games, and you
1: even had the gut punch of boy, I cannot remember who hit the home run off of uh, Sergio Romo. Uh, who was that? It was a, a Eric Kinski. Yeah, it was Eric Kinski. Eric Kinski. Uh, after that, it, you felt the, you know the momentum shift. You felt the Braves felt like a team of destiny that was Bobby Cox's last season, and uh, then no, you know stuff happens. Weird stuff happens. Um, my biggest takeaway in the the first two games of the series was Logan Webb doing what he did. And Kevin Gossman not looking quite the same. And the fact that Gabe Kapler picked Logan Webb as his game one starter,
2: boy, that looms large right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, you thought it was a coin flip. Oh, they can't go wrong either way. But... Um, you know I think there's a reason that they gave Kevin Gossman the extra day uh, before his final regular season start they knew he needed it and it's not like he didn't have any stuff um, but uh, you know he was throwing up up to 97 miles an hour uh, his split was pretty good um, especially after the you know he faced the lineup one time through um, but uh, but yeah I think that you look at some of the exit velocities and um, you look at how the Dodgers approach him, especially, and the fact that Logan Webb has that third pitch he can go to uh, against a really, really patient um, team that, that, that you know, can figure out a pitcher pretty easily. Um, that I think that sort of ga- they realized that not only was Logan Webb pitching better, but he was probably a better matchup against the Dodgers just in general. And uh, they're going to hope that Alex Wood uh, will be the same way, as another guy who can keep the ball on the ground and, and be a little unorthodox and and obviously has a lot of experience pitching in that ballpark. So yeah, it's 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 going to be up to the Giants to at least win one game here, obviously, and then if they can do that, then they'll send it home to. We would presume would be Logan Webb on on full rest in a game five, but um, you know they got to get got to get one first, and and uh, if they could find a way to win game three, then you're not facing the elimination game on the road, and that's that's not where they want to be. So they only have to beat the Dodgers, who have a 15 game winning streak in Dodger Stadium. They only <laughs> have to beat Max Scherzer. The Dodgers are 12 and 0 in their starts since they got him. So you know. No big whoop. Yeah, it it's not. Uh,
1: I'll be honest with you, and this might be a hot take. It, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's uh, <laughs> not going to be easy. Uh, with Gosman, I think the idea is uh, the pitches. The we talked about this last time. You know, it's a little bit more of a binary outcome if you're the Dodgers. And watching him, it's it's all about direction. Where you have when you're Logan Webb you have three directions the ball can go. It can go left, right, down. And with Gossman, it's either up or down. And uh, the Dodgers really do well with that. Like Gossman's uh, slider even has that kind of downward break. So it's not um, quite as different as it might be uh, if it were a sweeping curveball or something like that. So Alex Wood going in game three, I think his changeup needs to be working because that would be the third direction for him. You have... Fastball. you have slider, it's going to be that changeup that needs to make all the difference.
2: You put it very, very well in terms of where you can attack in the strike zone and going to different areas and just giving those hitters, if you can eliminate one pitch against someone like Kevin Gosman, uh, then you know, you're, you're pretty prone against a team like the Dodgers. And I think that's tougher to do with Webb and probably tougher to do with Wood. And I think we also know that just getting a lead early is going to be so important. I mean, I wrote in a notebook today sort of like three things that the Giants need to do to win game three, it is like the most like, oh, well, duh, baseball analysis of all time. Get a (laughs) lead early. You're going to improve your chances of winning. Yes, I think that I would agree that is a good idea to do that. Against the Dodgers, it is so important. And I was kind of stunned that the largest deficit they've overcome this year is only three runs. And, you know, that's probably mostly because they don't fall behind by more than three runs very often. But the Dodgers are not as equipped maybe to come back as the Giants are. So, you know, getting that lead early, especially if you can take the crowd out of the game, which we know going to be really difficult to do. I can't imagine that there's ever going to be a louder crowd that the Giants have encountered in a postseason game than what they're going to see in Game 3. So, you know, finding a way to score early is going to be so important.
1: Yeah, and one thing that was disappointing about Game 2, other than the everything, uh, was how prepared the Dodgers were for that bullpen. It seemed like every guy the Giants were bringing out, the Dodgers, were not impressed. Uh, when you've got Zach Littell, Dominic Leon, uh, uh you've got Harlan Garcia, and these are, you know, this is the core of how the Giants won to 107 games in a lot of ways where nobody was bad nobody was giving up a bunch of runs a bunch of hits and the bullpen and they came out there and the dodgers just pounced is that going to be a problem going forward i mean they need guys to bridge that gap
2: to get to Camilo duvall to get to tyler rogers uh they're going to be pretty darn important i think yeah no totally and and it was it was pretty obvious and even don do said it uh you know it was, it, they, they knew we were a bullpen that throws strikes and uh, they came out you know, looking to do early count damage knowing that you know, we don't fall behind hitters too often. And um, you know, it, it's tough to back off something that has just been a, a unquestioned strength for you all year and has allowed you to compile so much value. But is a bullpen that is sort of rooted in depth and its value, um, is that the same as having a bullpen that has those like game shortening relievers at the back end uh, you know, like we saw with the, the Royals in 2014 and 15, or or you can go through like the nasty boys of of the, the Reds, or or you have um you know like what the White Sox have this year with with Kimberlin and uh, and um, Liam Hendricks. That that's not really the I- identity of the Giants bullpen. And does that kind of bullpen not play as well in the postseason? I don't know. It's it's a fair question, and I think we're we'll find out as we go, at least as it will play out in this series. But yeah, I, I think that you know they they don't want to be in a situation where they're chasing from behind. And Alex Wood is effective through four, and his spot comes up. But they're trailing three-one, so they got a pinch hit for him, and then they, you know, have to go to their bullpen earlier than they'd like to, um, you know. And, and I, I'm fully convinced uh, that Gabe Kapler would have pinch hit for Kevin Gosman in the second inning of Game Two, and he had Tommy Listella on deck if Donovan Solano had gotten on base to, to load the bases. I, I think we would have seen that would have been it. It would have been two innings for Gosman, and I think in a lot of ways the Giants would have preferred to do that um, and taken that big shot early. Um, and I don't think they're going to hesitate to do that with Alex Wood, too. But, um, you know, they obviously don't want to be chasing a win from behind. That's just, that's just not,
0: uh, the best way to, to try to beat the Dodgers. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: You know, before that that middle relief did so poorly in game two, I was looking at Alex Wood as almost like an opener. Like, you know, the Giants were probably going to want him, at, you know, one time through the lineup, maybe two times through. Through the lineup, but you know you're not going to Alex Wood and saying give us six, give us seven. You know you're you're our horse. You're going there and you're saying Alex, give us a a couple innings, and then we'll turn it over to Latell and Leone and and uh, Garcia and pitchers like that. I, is Kapler going to second guess that or is the plan the plan? You just have to assume they're going to execute better. Um, what What is the plan, I think, for an Alex start. I think the plan is to score a lot of
2: runs for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's just see who the Giants are fit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. No, it, it's um, they're, they're all good questions. And I think that, that they also have to be a little bit cognizant that, you know, we are likely to see Anthony Di Scalfani start game four. And, you know, he's had a great year. It's not to minimize uh, anything that he's done, but you know, I don't know if you feel as confident putting your whole season in Anthony DiScalvani's hands, especially when you know it's been a little up and down against the Dodgers, and when it's been down, it's been really down. Um, but uh, you know, I think that he's another guy that they are probably going to look to get. You know, maybe four or five innings out of, and then turn it over to the bullpen. So you don't want to just completely, you know, um, uh, tax that bullpen today when you know you're probably going to need it tomorrow uh, as well. But I, really, I, I I think that this is going to come down to just how much offense the Giants can generate. I, I really do think that that's going to be um, whether they're successful or not is just if they can get Chris Bryant going, if they can get Evan Longoria going, if Mike Isseymski's got a big one he can pop at some point in the game. Uh, obviously, Buster and, and Crawford. Uh, are, are are swinging the bat very, very well. Crawford's got some good history against Scherzer. Buster has, I there, I think he hit a home run off Scherzer at some point. Refresh my memory on that one. Uh, but <laughs> you can't rely on those guys to do it all. So, uh, yeah, I, I, they're just going to need to come out and and, and, uh, and play whack-a-mole and put up some crooked numbers, I think, to try to uh, get past the Dodgers in this series.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you were to take uh 10 earned run outing against the Dodgers out of his ERA, uh, he would have a 2.67 ERA on the season, and maybe everyone would feel a little bit more confident in him going into game four, but you can't just take those 10-turn runs uh, out of his ERA. I mean, you, you know that uh, Julio Urias won't do damage against him this time, um, but you know that happened. The Dodgers saw him well that first outing. He's pitched better uh, since then against them, but... Uh, it's going to be tricky. So yeah, scoring runs would be a little bit important. And to do that, you're, they're going to need guys, like you said, in Longoria, to me is going to be such a huge uh, factor because he's doing uh, nothing. And they would like him to do something. And he's definitely capable of doing that. Uh, but as of right now, it's his glove work that's keeping him in there. Uh, but he's the guy that I'm looking for. Uh, maybe Yaz against the, the right-handed pitchers the Dodgers w- will offer. Um, but yeah, Longoria, to me, needs to, to do something.
2: Yeah, I was going through the lineup and I thought, you know, as much as Scherzer just, just he makes his living by just eating hitters alive with strikeouts. You know, he, he just munches strikeouts. Uh, that's what he eats for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And sometimes he'll put different sauces on them to experiment, uh, you know, when he's in a, a mood to, to 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 freewheel a little bit in the kitchen. But basically, it's strikeouts. That's what you're going to get. That's the staple. And so I thought, gosh, I wonder if the Giants would even be tempted uh, to have La Stella at second base and start Donovan Solano at third. You know, maybe you just want to get all of your contact guys in there and and then no not really and 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 the reason is the defense and Alex Wood hits a lot gets a lot of ground balls when he's right And obviously, the the Giants are counting on that, and they're going to need Evan Longoria at third base. He's just so much better defensively than anybody they have over there. Uh, And then if you look at the matchup sheet, you know, it doesn't – basically, the three guys who faced uh, Scherzer the most, all of them are hitting a buck something against him, and and Wilmer Flores is 0 for 17. So um, I I don't think we're going to see Wilmer in the lineup today, and that means that your first base options – Um, you'd think, well, with Darren Ruff, he's had a good offensive year. But, you know, I'm not sure they're quite so confident in in throwing him out there against Scherzer when he really hasn't seen a lot of live pitching in the last three weeks. Uh, But Chris Bryant's taken a lot of ground balls at first base lately. He did play 10 games over there for the Cubs earlier this year. Uh, starting him there would allow you to have an all left-handed hitting outfield that's pretty good defensively. If you have Duggar out there in addition to Yaz and Wade Jr., so that that's sort of what I'm expecting to happen here. So you wouldn't think Wade at first is that is are we going to see Wade at first again? I think so at some point, yeah. But maybe the matchup against Scherzer um, maybe would allow you to uh, try a you know I I don't know I, I think this may be the best way to go defensively. I think you'd rather have Wade in in the outfield than Bryant right now, yeah. so um, yeah, I, I just think it makes a lot of sense. That does make
1: sense, and yeah, it's stacking lefties against Scherzer makes sense. I don't know if there's like a magic bullet to beating him. You just have to try what, you know, seems conventional, just your best option because he's Max Scherzer. You're not going to, you know, secretly, oh, here's the ha we've got his little weak spot. No, he's, he's a freaking Hall of Famer and Cy Young candidate.
2: Uh, yeah, and you know what? Every pitcher when they get to two strikes is going to be, you know, crazy successful. Uh, When you get to two strikes on Max Scherzer, it's not good it doesn't go well for you and uh, i have the numbers right here let's see where is it oh 122 average with 236 strikeouts and 426 plate appearances that get to two strikes so that's yeah that you you don't want to be there so if if they can get uh, i think he's going to be aggressive cuz he knows the giants you know have the lowest chase rate of anybody outside the dodgers and so he knows he's going to have to throw uh, strikes early in the count i think and and you know he's 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 had to labor a lot lately to go deep in games you know he wants to go deep in the game because the last time Dave Roberts came out and, and stuck his hand out for the baseball, he got Scherzer's handshake instead. So this is a guy who's going <laughs> to want to go deep in the game and I think he's going to be really motivated to throw a lot of strikes early in the count uh, knowing that he's not going to get the Giants out outside of the strike zone too much. And, and so I think the Giants are probably going to have a game plan where they're going to look to be ready for that and, um, and, and, and try to you know, look in their zone for pitches they can drive early in the count and that's what they've done all year and I think it's going to be especially uh, an especially big focus focus for them uh, in game three. Yeah, the Dodgers have won all 12 of of Scherzer's starts uh, when he's on the mound, but
1: his last three starts, uh, a little bit iffy. So there is going to be that desire for him to establish early, uh, maybe to get in the the strike zone right away. Uh, It's going to be really important. Is there a chance that he's tired? I mean, is that too
2: much to hope for? No, I I really, you know, it's, it's interesting because we all have this great unknown about pitcher workload and player workload in general this year after last year's 60-game season. I mean, everybody in baseball was trying to figure out how they can try to quantify this or how they can plan for it. And the plan was just have have backups, you know, have a lot of depth. Um, but I, I did ask a, a scouting director and, and a, a, a couple coaches uh, over the last few weeks, You know, do you think that this could have kind of a leveling effect in October, especially with you know, some of the elite arms that otherwise, you know, would, would, you know, Schilling and Randy Johnson their way through a postseason. And, um, you know, nobody told me no. So I'm just going to go ahead and claim that <laughs> as my brilliant idea that, um, you know, all the elite pitchers may not be quite as elite or quite as fearsome uh, because they've all, you know, have a lot of innings on their arms. I mean, it's true for Kevin Gosman, right? He's not, he's not doing what he did in the first half right now. Um, and Kevin Gosman's not Max Scherzer in terms of career accomplishments, I would say that is a fair statement. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's, uh, you, t- you derive a little bit of hope from that, I think, if, if you're facing a pitcher who's otherwise looking pretty impenetrable. And you know what? I, I You flash back to Game 1 of the 2012 World Series, and Scherzer was obviously on that staff. He started Game 4. It was Buster's home run that turned a, a one-run deficit into a one-run lead, and the Giants ended up clinching that day. Uh, but they also had to beat Justin Verlander, who was just unstoppable that postseason until Pablo Sandoval stepped in and said, not so fast, my friend. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been done. They've done it before as an organization. And there are reasons to think that, um, you know, maybe the the, the 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 peculiarities of this season after last season, you know, could, could open the door a little bit.
1: I'm going to read you a tweet uh, verbatim, uh, and then I'll tell you who tweeted it afterwards. Uh, so, quote, Okay, raise your hand if you want to face Walker Buehler, Max Scherzer, and Clayton Kershaw in a short series in October and go against one of the best young players in the game in Trey Turner. The dream deal for the Dodgers is about to become reality, end quote. That was uh, Bob Nightingale, July 29th twenty twenty one, and I think that the Giants have beat Matt, uh, Walker Bueller already. Uh, and then Bob tweeting that in July. I think that bodes well. I think that that is an ominous development. Oh, Bob!
2: Oh, Bob! Bob had <laughs> poor, bo- poor Bob. He has so many bots on Twitter that just immediately immediately uh, sees I up do on feel him. Bad for him. He, he he did actually have one today that was really hilarious. Uh, uh, he said, uh, this is the final day of the season where four games are scheduled on the same day. There can be no more than two games the same day, the rest of this year's postseason. So savor and enjoy. And like 20 minutes and later. The lightning literally crackles. <laughs> it literally did. And the White Sox and Astros were postponed due to rain. And so, that, that yeah, it, that Bob's statement was correct when he made it, but it pretty much immediately became incorrect. And so, poor Bob. I don't know what he's My got stars. going on, what mojo in the universe he disturbed, but... Uh, uh, yeah, there are disturbances in the Bob Nightingale Twitter force. It is beautiful.
1: All right, so uh, Tuesday's game, game four. Uh, the do- the Giants had, do not have a career hit against the Dodgers scheduled starter TBD. What do you know about
2: TBD? Oh, I don't know anything about TBD, but I I can tell you that um <laughs> I yeah boy probably Gonsolin right? I I guess maybe I'm not sure I'm not let's let's uh we should have gotten Andy McCullough on this podcast to, to talk about that or or <laughs> Fabian Ardia uh, they would know but yeah. I do think that. Yeah. At some point, um, you know, if this series can go, especially if it goes the full five, we're going to see more Julio Urias. There's no doubt in my mind. I do, there's no doubt in your mind. Yeah. There's no doubt in anyone's mind. There's no doubt in the Giants' mind. So, um, you know, that that's going to be something they'll have to tangle with at some point. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think they just have to take the step in front of them and, um, and, and not worry about Game 4 until they have to. Um, but, yeah, it's – boy, man – The environment is gonna be so crazy. I I really, I I think I do need to put in earplugs. I probably will. I've never done that at a game before, but I I think I'm gonna have to put in the earplugs and the noise canceling headphones and maybe like a scarf. I don't know. Do you have any other tips?
1: You know, I I have been at, uh, I was at Wrigley Field when the Cubs were playing in the World Series. Uh, I was at Cleveland when the Indians uh, in game seven, when they came back, Rajay Davis against Errolis Chapman. So I've heard some pretty loud ballparks. Uh, this is going to be up there, uh, but I also know that the Giants probably don't care as much. I mean, it's not quite like football where you can't hear the, the you know, the, the quarterback calling the plays it's you're in there and then all of a sudden brandon crawford hits a grand slam and pittsburgh quiets down i think it's more just wow this is loud rather than how do we combat this how do we overcome this it's more just a gee this is a playoff
2: atmosphere right yeah i mean you, you always have the uh you know who can yell yola Tengo loud enough to be heard by your teammates in the outfield but um yeah apart from that you're right there isn't a whole lot that you really need to hear on the field. Uh, it's more just the uh, feeling, <laughs> like feeling surrounded. And, and it's not just the crowd, obviously, it's the fact that um, the Dodgers, you know, play basically all their music and everything else and their fifths of Beethoven at um, uh, pretty much, what did we say it was that, that ruptures eardrums 160? Yeah, 169, that sounds
1: about right. <laughs> oh God, I forgot about that. So obnoxious. I mean, Henry Schulman was on that beat uh, for years and I didn't understand it until I went to Dodger Stadium why is the PA so loud there? Why?
2: I don't know. I mean, they—they they don't. I mean, they have a lot of older fans too. You'd think that they'd probably get some complaints. Why oh, you? You know. Uh, why why is it so loud I can't hear my I can't hear my what my wife is telling me. But um yeah, I, that that's clearly the way they've done it for a long time. And uh, you know that's clearly the way it's going to be in the future. They have the largest subwoofer in human history, probably buried underneath the center field or something. So um, but yeah, it, it's gonna be loud and, and by the way, um, congratulations to Henry Shulman on picking this year to be his first year as a retired baseball writer because he does, <laughs> the prospect of, of covering a Giants-Dodgers uh, postseason game at Dodger Stadium is probably the, the worst case scenario for him because uh, he does not like the, the working conditions at Dodger Stadium. He does not like covering games there at all, and he will, I'm sure, be watching from the comfort of his sofa uh, with that nice frosty beverage in hand, uh, probably just laughing at all of us in that cramped press box, trying to hear ourselves think.
1: I uh, I, I might have told this story on this podcast before. Uh, however, uh, I'll tell it again, just because it, it must have been a long time ago. But the first time I ever covered a game at Dodger Stadium uh, was in the 2017 World Series. And when I landed, it was a hundred degrees, and I said, "Oh, I will just walk from my hotel room to Dodger Stadium, pick my <laughs> credential up, and then walk back." Because I looked on Google, and it was, oh, it's you know a half mile, a mile, or whatever, from my uh, hotel room. Boy, is it at the top of a mountain, Dodger Stadium. And I think people forget about that. I never realized it. It is at the top of a mountain. And then when you get to the top of the mountain, guess what? You have to walk up another mountain to get to the press box. There are escalators. I didn't know where they were. Like it, that place is that place sucks to cover game. I will I will agree. I I like the ballpark. The ballpark is fantastic, but it is like rough because
2: I like to walk to the ballparks, dang it. And that is not a walkable ballpark. No, no, it's not. And I, I remember I mean you know, I covered the Dodgers in two thousand two and two thousand three and I covered home games, you know, as for a smaller paper. Um, for for a few years before that, and I, one of the last things I did before I left that beat and came to the Giants beat in 2004, um, Frank McCourt had just bought the team, and so um, you know I had gotten an interview with him in his office, and one of the things I asked him was, you know, hey, what are you going to do to kind of create more you know public transit off uh, sort of options for people so you know they can make uh, coming to the ballpark in the area around it a, a destination, you know, it's not just uh, it's not just the car culture and And he's like, "That's funny. You're the first person to ask me that." And I thought, "Okay, it hadn't occurred to him." And of course, it hadn't occurred to him because the guy's a parking lot baron, so he doesn't want to get away from his bread and butter. He still owns the parking lots out there after he bankrupted the freaking team. So you know, yeah, uh, that that's that's Frank McCourt for you. And 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 uh, I left thinking, boy, I'm I'm not sure that this guy's going to be a great owner. He seems a little into himself and. Well, I guess I was right about that
0: one.
1: Yeah, I mean, you were right. And his punishment was, uh, let's see, what, uh, like a billion dollars in an ambassadorship? Like, that's that's how you fail here in this country? I
2: think it was Jamie McCourt that got the ambassadorship. I forget oh, if it was I, to France it, or Belgium it. or something like that. But he now owns Marseille in um, uh, in, in France, one of the um, teams in the, what is that, the uh, Premier One? Or what do they call the, the French League? L- League One or whatever it is? Uh, I can talk about the Cape Cod League. But ah, yeah, let's. Much. Yeah, I'm not so much into the <laughs> European soccer. I, I, I enjoy seeing a match whenever I. Uh, can vacation in Europe, but I'm not super up on it. I just know that um, he owns the team there and uh, is probably pissing off a whole new continent of sports fans.
1: I do remember seeing that he was uh, irritating them, much like Mike Piazza is irritating soccer fans in Italy. Uh, I believe John Henry might be irritating soccer fans in England. Uh, Basically, when you go over and you start meddling and pretending like you are the Mark Cuban of soccer, it, it doesn't work, and I think it's funny. Mike Piazza,
2: he knows not a whole lot about Italian soccer it turns out and not a whole lot about California gubernatorial recall campaigns <laughs> I
1: uh, I took a picture of him uh, making that video uh, to recall Gavin Newsom and it's on my phone and so I scroll past it I'm like looking for a picture of my daughter uh, in soccer and there he is and he looks like a thumb now uh, he looks <laughs> very much like a thumb and so like I'll see it it's just there and I don't know why I don't delete it uh, it doesn't amuse me it's just it's jarring uh, maybe I'll delete it after After this podcast, but yeah, uh, I think
2: we need to dunk on Mike Piazza a little bit more for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I think you should keep it and maybe make it into a bit when... uh you know, like LOLKNBR on Twitter has the uh, the Mattingly uh, gif of Dodgers lose whenever they lose, which is which is always a fun one to come across your feed uh, just because it's just the same one every time. So, I don't know. Maybe you can incorporate it somehow.
1: It could be a meme, yeah. I mean, it, it, he does look like a, a thumb. It's, it's remarkable. Anyways, uh, let's just say that the Giants, uh, I think it's important, my keys to the series would be for the Giants to win one of these two games. Would you agree?
2: I would agree um, because um, uh, they don't want to lose. They probably want to win and it probably won't rain. So, but, uh, and I can say that because I'm not Bob Nightingale. (laughs) The next time we talk,
1: it's going to be a Thursday game five. And we'll know if the Giants are playing in a game five, and that will be a very different conversation than uh, the Giants being in the NLCS, which would be a very different conversation from the Giants season having ended entirely, which seems bananas after 107 wins, which was like last week. So we will have some
2: outcomes. Are you excited? It really is kind of crazy when you put it that way. Our next podcast, we're either going to be talking about the Giants um, knocking off the Dodgers, or we'll be summing up the whole season, trying to make sense of what it meant to win a division but lose to the Dodgers in the playoffs and go home. Or we'll be setting up Logan Webb, in all likelihood, in, in Game 5, in a in a one-game one, one game playoff, basically, between a 107-106-win team to decide who goes. And that will be the craziest game of all time. So, yeah. Three pretty different outcomes there. That is wild. That is wild. All right. Well, this has been episode
1: 169. We will be back on Thursday to blow your mind one way or another. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.